0: she lied like a dog on her emails she should be in prison
1: you're gonna throw your own daughter in jail sad well i don't know why i came here tonight that's why i got the feeling that something right no it ain't i'm so scared in case i fall off my chair and i'm wondering how i'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am, yes, I'm stuck in the middle From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this the is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 so FM, so FM in LA, up race. in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, in Cottage Grove on Queso, and in Eugene on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountain, California, KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF, amongst others. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day for your listening pleasure. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week, at least. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com, thank you for joining us today. All right, with the uh, Thanksgiving holiday now upon us, and Angie Koiro in for us on the next thrilling broadcast. I am going to try to try and jam as much as I can into one single show. I will be aided in that endeavor momentarily by the great legal reporter, Mark Joseph Stern of Slate. Since there has been a just a veritable flood of legal and court related stories on the heels of the 2018 midterms just a few weeks ago and their blue wave across much of the country and Donald Trump's firing of Attorney General Jeff Sessions thereafter and his barring of a White House correspondent from the White House and a new round of pronouncements on immigration from the administration. Being challenged and blocked by the federal court system. And yes, the new news that Ivanka Trump, like Hillary Clinton before her apparently, has been using a private email server for official business from the White House. We will talk to Mark about all of those issues, or at least as many of them as we can, whether they are stupid or not in the stupid era of Donald Trump.
2: Stupid Watergate, I think, is what John Oliver calls it. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm thinking of calling today's show, It's the Stupid Stupid. (laughs) Also joining me, of course, you heard her just now, the delightful Desi Doyen, who will have an update later on in the show in the still-continuing, still-catastrophic wildfires here in California. In our latest Green News report, including Donald Trump's, yes, stupid visit to the state over the uh, past weekend in which he repeatedly called the town of paradise, which was burnt to the ground in Northern California in the campfire. He kept uh, calling that the town of pleasure because, (sighs) yeah. He's Donald Trump, and he actually doesn't give much of a damn. In any event, let's get to it. As we went to air on yesterday's broadcast news had just broken about a shooting, a mass shooting, another one at uh, Mercy Hospital in Chicago. Well, we now have a bit more on that mass shooting and sadly uh, several others that have happened since then. Three separate high profile shootings across the U.S. uh, happened over the past 24 hours, leaving five people dead and several others injured. And remarkably, much of it has already simply flown by the media radar screen by now, given the dumb world that we all now live in. At Mercy Hospital in Chicago, a gunman killed three people, including a police officer and two hospital workers in Denver. One person was killed and four others were seriously injured in a shooting that took place just a few blocks from Coors Field, where the Colorado Rockies play. The suspect in that shooting remains at large as we go to air. And in my old home state of Missouri, police are searching for a man accused of sexually assaulting one woman and shooting dead another in a religious supply store near St. Louis, out in St. Louis County. As I said, that shooter is also said to be large at this hour. So, yes, happy Thanksgiving, America. But some good news for the holidays, at least for some of our troops. The Pentagon has announced they will begin drawing down the military deployment of more than 5,000 troops that Donald Trump had sent to the U.S. border just before the November midterm elections to supposedly keep the nation safe from what he called an invasion by a caravan of immigrants, many of them women and children, walking their way towards the U.S. border from Central America. According to Politico, the commander overseeing that mission, Army Lieutenant General Jeffrey Buchanan, said that the 5,800 active duty troops sent to assist Customs and Border Protection at the U.S.-Mexico border should all be home by Christmas. Right now, he says, our end date is the 15th of November, of December, and I've got no indications from anybody that we'll go beyond that, uh, Buchanan said. He's overseeing the mission from Texas. According to Politico's report, troops will begin leaving, leaving the area before the so-called migrant caravan even arrives at the border. But the real threat, of course, the November 6th midterms, that's now behind Donald Trump and the Republicans so they can order their prop military troops, uh, troops apparently to stand down, even though the pretend threat of this migrant caravan invasion has yet to arrive. Most of the members of the caravan are uh, rampant uh, or escaping rampant poverty and violence in their home countries. And with the other action taken by Donald Trump to show how pretend tough he was on the border, he had ordered asylum claims made anywhere but at approved points of entry to the U.S. to be summarily denied. Well, a federal judge has now found that to be unlawful. And has barred the U.S. from enforcing that new regulation, blocking the latest Trump scheme to change federal law by presidential caveat, which Republicans used to pretend to be against, at least when accusing President Obama of similar. We'll talk more about that, I hope, with Mark Joseph Stern uh, and that late ruling on Monday night in a moment. And speaking of things Republicans used to pretend to care about, here's Donald Trump back during the 2016 2016 campaign in case you forgot
0: I guarantee you one thing we're going to be talking about those emails every moment of every day crooked Hillary's emails unless Hillary gets indicted which in all fairness she should be how can Hillary manage this country when she can't even manage
1: her emails this is the biggest scandal since Watergate how about if she's running the country she can't even run an email she lied like a dog on her emails
0: she should be in prison so we're gonna get a special prosecutor and we're gonna look into it
2: it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of donald trump is not in charge of the law in our country
0: because you'd be in jail
1: so yeah you probably remember that pretty well uh that montage was put together by uh morning joe on msnbc well yeah i guess we have to lock her up now No, not Hillary Clinton, but Ivanka Trump, who apparently sent hundreds of emails last year to White House aides, to cabinet officials and to her assistants using a personal email account in violation of federal records rules, according to people familiar with a White House examination of her correspondence. The uh, Washington Post reported on Monday night that White House ethics officials learned of Trump's repeated use, Ivanka Trump's use, Of uh, personal email when reviewing emails that they gathered last fall by five cabinet agencies in response to public records requests, actually to public records lawsuits, that uh, review revealed that throughout much of 2017, Ivanka Trump often discussed or relayed official White House business using a private email account with the domain that she shares with her husband, Jared Kushner, who apparently did the same thing. Some aides were startled by the volume of Ivanka Trump's personal emails and taken back by her response when questioned about the practice. She said she was not familiar with the rules, according to people with knowledge of her reaction.
2: Oh my. God. Yeah. I'm sorry, that just. Okay. Not familiar with the rules. Where was she during all of 2016?
1: She was not paying attention. Other stuff, selling clothes in China or whatever the hell it is she does. Both Trump and Clinton, according to The Washington Post, relied on their personal attorneys to review their private emails and determine which ones should be retained as government records. So, you know, we'll just trust whatever their attorneys say. Austin Evers, the executive director of the watchdog American Oversight, said there's the obvious hypocrisy that her father ran on the misuse of personal email as a central tenet of his campaign. There is no reasonable suggestion that she did not know better. They had both set up uh, personal uh, emails on a domain called ijkfamily.com. Of course, Trump supporters still chant lock her up at his rallies. I guess they're not going to be chanting that, at least about Ivanka, although they probably won't even hear about much of this. Uh, as I uh, As reported today, Fox News has largely been ignoring this story. More on that as well, I imagine, with Mark Joseph Stern in a second. And, yes, some very quick updates on the midterm election results, which are still being tallied in a number of races, including some U.S. House races that are still uncalled. Congressman Will Hurd now, one of the few Republican critics of Donald Trump in Congress, has narrowly won his reelection bid, according to AP, who is now calling the race in Texas's sprawling 23rd congressional district. Democratic challenger Gina Ortiz-Jones conceded on Monday, nearly two weeks after Election Day. Looks like she will have lost by about 1,100 votes out of more than 200,000 cast. Democrats uh, flipped two Republican-held seats uh, in Texas this month, one in Dallas and another in Houston, but it looks like they weren't able to uh, get this one. They have so far picked up 37 seats overall in the U.S. House, with four more races still uncalled. One they are leading in New York, another they are once again leading in Utah. Yes, Utah, where Democrat Ben McAdams has once again taken the slimmest of leads over Republican incumbent Mia Love by just over 700 votes as of airtime. The GOP is also up in another race in New York and one in Georgia. So I I suspect by the time we're back after Thanksgiving Day, uh, after the weekend, we'll see Democrats with a total of 39 seats picked up for their new U.S. House majority. But we will be watching closely as ever. And lastly, for the moment, speaking of Georgia, there is a runoff for Secretary of State that will occur on December 4th. And now the libertarian candidate in the initial November 6th contest has just endorsed the Democrat in the race, Democrat John Barrow uh, for Georgia Secretary of State over Republican Brad Raffensperger, announcing that Barrow would be able to, quote, fix Georgia's broken election system and is the best choice to represent the interests of all Georgia citizens, including independents, libertarians and fiscal conservatives. Given the extraordinary voter suppression under Georgia Secretary of State, now Governor-elect Brian Kemp, it's a wonder Democrats were able to win anything at all in the state. But Kemp was hardly alone in the GOP effort to prevent certain voters from having a voice in our supposed democracy. Voters, however, to their great credit, pushed back anyway. More on that with Mark Joseph Stern, who joins us next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman, don't touch that dial. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. On Election Day 2018 in Wisconsin, voters finally ousted Republican Scott Walker, replacing him for governor after two terms with Democratic School Superintendent Tony Evers. Wisconsin Democrats won all of the statewide offices on the ballot on November 6th, including... Attorney General, State Treasurer, Secretary of State, and the U.S. Senate, where where Democrat Tammy Baldwin defeated her Republican challenger by more than 10 percentage points statewide, or about 300,000 votes out of some two and a half million cast. It was a Democratic romp in the Badger State, with Democrats even winning the statewide popular vote for the state assembly by eight points. More than 200,000 votes. But even though Democrats won the popular vote for Wisconsin state assembly members by a whopping 54 to 46 percent, Republicans, thanks to extreme partisan gerrymandering in the state, won 63 percent of the seats in the state assembly to the Democrats, 36 percent. In a 100 seat assembly, that means 63 members will be Republican to just 36 Democrats, despite voters in the state selecting Democrats over Republicans by 200,000 votes. That's how partisan gerrymandering works. And that's just one of the reasons Wisconsin's GOP gerrymander was found by a federal court in 2016 to be unconstitutional. And yet by the time the case made its way to the U.S. Supreme Court earlier this year, Justice Anthony Kennedy sided with his fellow Republicans on the court and punted the ruling back to the lower courts. Though Kennedy had expressed openness in the past to striking down partisan gerrymanders, he took a pass on a case that would have rolled back such blatant rigging of American democracy in Wisconsin, in North Carolina and elsewhere leaving the decision to a future even more right-wing Republican court. Days after Kennedy joined the GOP majority in punting on Gil V. Whitford, he announced his retirement. His previously swing seat on the court, as you may have heard, was then filled by the far-right Republican operative Brett Kavanaugh. And hopes of the U.S. Supreme Court ever finding partisan gerrymandering to be unconstitutional has been all but dashed. In the bargain, the Democrats enormous blue wave in the U.S. House in the November midterms, which currently stands at 37 seat pickup as of airtime, but could go as high as 39 before all is said and done. That came despite extreme Republican partisan gerrymandering with more than 60 million Democratic voters turning out almost as many or more than votes received by Republican presidential candidates over the past three elections. Democrats would have picked up even more seats in the U.S. House and undoubtedly in state legislatures across the country, but for the rigged maps in many states. Voters, however, in several of those states also voted against such partisan gerrymanders, adopting ballot measures in a number of states that aim to end partisan legislative members choosing their own voters by replacing them with independent redistricting commissions before the next round of map drawing following the 2020 census. Meanwhile, as Democrats fight the uphill battle against a rigged system at the ballot box and a stolen U.S. Supreme Court, in the U.S. Senate, Democrats are forced to fight against the rigging of the U.S. Justice Department with the naming of right-wing operative and avowed Trump loyalist and Special Counsel Robert Mueller opponent Matthew Whitaker as, yes, the acting attorney general of the United States. On Monday, Democratic Senators Blumenthal, White House, and Hirono filed suit arguing that Trump's appointment of Whitaker after he fired Attorney General Jeff Sessions the day after the midterms is unconstitutional and illegal under the Vacancies Reform Act, which allows for the president to temporarily fill vacancies. But in this case, they argue only with Senate confirmed people. Whitaker, they argue, is not such a person, even though he was confirmed by the U.S. Senate 14 years ago as a U.S. attorney in Iowa, amid the George W. Bush administration's U.S. attorney's scandal. In response, the DOJ's Office of Legal Counsel has argued that Whitaker's seating is perfectly lawful, perfectly legitimate, citing as uh, legal journalist Mark Joseph Stern at Slate highlights in describing this justification as, quote, laughable. An acting attorney general had actually served without Senate confirmation before for just six days. Back in 1866, four years before the Department of Justice was even created, the GOP rigs the system. The Democrats fight back to unrig it. And that fight continues today on a whole bunch of fronts, both in the courts and at the ballot box as we barrel towards the holidays at the end of Donald Trump's second tumultuous year in office. Here to discuss all of the above and much more today is our friend Mark Joseph Stern. He covers the law, the court system, the U.S. Supreme Court, LGBTQ issues, and much, much more for Slate.com. Oh, Mark Joseph Stern, welcome back to the broadcast, my friend.
0: Thank you so much for having me back on. Always
1: a pleasure. Always a pleasure to have you here. Uh, you know, usually we go into detail on one of your, uh, or more, one or two of your great articles at Slate on a landmark court case or issue. But today, frankly, Mark, uh, since so much is going on all at the same time, I barely scratched the surface in my intro there. I want to try and do things a little differently today, fly through as many legally related topics of note as we possibly can. Because, you know, it kind of is it just me or does it feel like a floodgate is kind of opening in the wake of the midterms and in advance of the of the holidays for some reason?
0: Well, it definitely feels that way to me. But uh, remember, the Democrats are excellent at foiling their own best intentions. (laughs) So we will have to wait and see if they uh, carry this. Uh, These tremendous victories into some kind of real action or if it all uh, becomes just more political theater and we're stuck watching the Fox News cycle for another two years.
1: Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that occurs to me is not what Democrats will do with this, but the fact that many of these topics that I want to ask you about are really stupid. I mean, <laughs> you know, there, there are things that feel like, you know, why do we have to waste our time on these things, like yep. Ivanka's emails. But nonetheless, that seems to be where we are. And a lot of these issues, you know, it's stupid that uh, a president has named some cluck as uh, attorney general. Normal presidents wouldn't do that. This one has. And so we have to talk about it because it affects everything. So let's uh, start with one of the uh, stupid topics uh, and we'll get into not stupid uh, gerrymandering and voter suppression issues and stuff. But Ivanka Trump, as I mentioned, as it turns out, she used a private email server to send government related communications to a whole bunch of other government officials. So Mark Joseph Stern, should we lock her up?
0: Uh, you know, I-, I did not support locking Hillary up for her uh, arguably improper use of emails. I do not support locking up Ivanka either. Just as a general rule, I think locking up nonviolent offenders is bad. Uh, I will say, I think that if House Democrats do not open an investigation into Ivanka's conduct here, they will be committing political malpractice. Uh, but her emails should not just be... Uh, a kind of sarcastic refrain. It should be a reminder of how badly the media botched the 2016 election, Uh, and it should carry Democrats forward into real serious action here, the way that Republicans relentlessly interrogated uh, and investigated Hillary Clinton regarding her emails. Look, uh, Hillary should not have done what she did with her private server, but it was not a federal crime. Uh, I think it's unclear just how lawless Ivanka's conduct here was. The Uh, The the details are still emerging. There needs to be more investigation. That is what a House that fulfills its constitutional duties is able to do. Uh, And happily, we are already seeing uh, the House Oversight Committee ranking members, uh, Elijah Cummings, saying, we are going to look into this. I certainly hope they do, because uh, this isn't just a tit for tat. Um, This is holding Republicans to their word that I.T. practice is perhaps the most important aspect of any government official mm. service.
1: It, it, interesting uh, thought there, because, it, you know, part of me thinks that, well, if they do spend a lot of time on this in the House investigating this, basically it relitigates the entire Hillary Clinton affair, which you called uh, arguably improper but not uh, unlawful, Uh, You know, and and so part of me feels like if they uh, turn around and become like the Republicans and start pretending here, as the Republicans did, that there was something awful that Ivanka did, it seems like it feeds just straight back into the original Hillary but-her-emails nonsense, no?
0: Right. I don't want Democrats to become just like Republicans here for sure. I don't want them to hold endless meetings. I don't want them to interrogate uh, Ivanka relentlessly. Uh, but I think that the the narrative thread in our political uh, world of, of butter emails it is it, it remains dangling there has not been closure here on what IT malpractice actually means or should mean for government employees mm. I think this could be a nice uh, a nice way to sort of close the loop here uh, and have Democrats look into what actually went on and lay out in maybe not strictly partisan terms what Ivanka did wrong and what other government employees can do to avoid falling into this trap. I mean, obviously what Ivanka did was very, very stupid. Now, it does not appear that she deleted emails the way that Hillary Clinton did, although, of course, we could see some uh, reporting on that in the next few days. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we just need to figure out how do we feel about email malpractice? I, I think you're right. We should not say, Ivanka, go to jail. Maybe we should say, these are mistakes that people make. Let's figure out how to prevent people from making them in the future and move on with our lives so that the 2020 election, is not just a nightmare relitigation of Hillary Clinton's emails, and we can focus on more substantive issues.
1: And I should note, by the way, uh, Jared Kushner also apparently sent uh, private uh, email using private server uh, for government business. So did the uh, former EPA administrator, Scott Pruitt. So did, uh, allegedly, the Interior Department's Ryan Zinke. It seems like they all do it. It was only a problem uh, when, you know, they decided to make it one with, with Hillary Clinton. All right, we will have more on that, I suspect, in the days ahead, whether I want to or not. So late on Monday night, Mark, a federal court blocked Donald Trump's new regulation barring claims of asylum by immigrants who failed to cross at established border crossings, charging that the, uh, the uh, judge said that the federal law says otherwise and the president does not have the authority to simply ignore the laws he doesn't care for, that the immigrants presenting themselves for asylum can do so anywhere they want, essentially, on American soil. Does that uh, federal court ruling hold up as it uh, works its way toward the uh, stolen U.S. Supreme Court inevitably?
0: I think it will, uh, unless John Roberts decides to reveal himself to be an absolute and total hypocrite. Uh, Look, the, the basic issue here is whether a president can unilaterally rewrite immigration laws passed by Congress. Congress passed a perfectly good law many years ago, which says that individuals who enter this country legally or illegally may apply for asylum. They can do it legally at a port of entry, they can come in without authorization and then present themselves to an official and say we came here unlawfully and now we want asylum uh... whether or not you like that rule it is the rule that congress passed and the constitution gives congress plenary control over immigration law now the president is coming in and saying that he wants to essentially uh... just revoke that law he wants to repeal it himself and prevent individuals who entered this country without authorization From seeking asylum He cannot do that Uh, That is clearly beyond his power Whether he tries to invoke it as his power of commander-in-chief As the head of the military If he says it's all about the caravan It does not matter Because he has to follow the law That Congress passed That is what uh, John Roberts Uh, argued in the DACA-DAPA case. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may remember that the Supreme Court blocked President Obama uh, from interpreting a congressional uh, statute that arguably allowed prosecutorial discretion for the parents of lawful immigrants the supreme court blocked obama from interpreting it that way uh... during oral arguments john Roberts said the president can't just ignore immigration laws he doesn't like uh... now we are seeing a repeat of that in a much more dramatic circumstance because here there's not a sort of debate or ambiguity over what the law means it is extremely clear that the law means what it says so i would be very surprised uh, If Roberts, who is the least hackish Mm -hmm. of the five conservative justices, uh, somehow swung right on this, it seems really clear cut, uh, and I can't imagine any self-respecting judge uh, somehow deciding that, in fact, the president has a newfound ability to make immigration law say whatever he wants it to say.
1: I, and well, self-respecting judge, uh, <laughs> the, you open a can of worms there, Mark. But uh, the the idea there's a lot of cases that seem to be working their way towards the court where basically. The Trump administration's argument is that I am president. I can do whatever I want. I mean, th- that literally seems to be the argument in a lot of these cases, that he has commander in chief powers to do all sorts of things uh, on immigration and other things. If John Roberts is going to deny uh, this particular argument, it seems there's a whole bunch of arguments on that very same basis that John Roberts is going to end up as the uh, swing, uh, swing seat judge here siding with the Democratic appointees on the U.S. Supreme Court
0: certainly possible. Uh, I've long predicted that, and of course, there have been a number of cases when Justice Kennedy sat on the court that were uh, six justice majorities with Roberts and Kennedy joining the more liberal justices. Mm. Now it all comes down to Roberts. Uh, I do think that on immigration especially, Roberts is really not a hack or a hardliner. Uh, He is not like, uh, say, Clarence Thomas, who thinks that undocumented immigrants have no rights at all under the Constitution and that the president gets to detain uh, or torture, actually, pretty much anybody he wants. Uh, Roberts has struck a much more moderate uh, stance here. And so I do think it's possible that he agrees to help rein in Trump's excesses. But of course, I could be giving him way too much of the benefit (laughs) of the doubt. And it is far too soon to tell. All
1: right. The White House for now has restored moving on to additionally stupid topics. Uh, The White House has restored press credentials to, um, to the White House to CNN White House correspondent uh, Jim Acosta after being ordered to do so, but only on a temporary basis by a Trump-appointed federal judge. Now, the fact that it was a Trump-appointed judge made many of the headlines here. The fact that this uh, judge seemed to be going against Donald Trump and the White House. But you argue that in truth... That alone is a sad commentary on the on the state of our nation, even going so far as to write that this quote seems unexceptional now because Trump has destroyed our brains. <laughs> well, uh, my brain is destroyed by uh, Trump, so please explain what you mean there, uh, Mr. Stern.
0: Well, what I mean is, is that uh, we don't think about it as outrageous, but Trump has promised to appoint judges who follow, uh, who who pass a litmus test Mm -hmm. and who follow a specific ideology. So Trump has first said he will only appoint pro-gun anti-abortion judges, right? But he's also said that he wants to appoint conservative judges. And that actually is uh, new and unusual. Uh, You did not hear President Obama saying he wanted to appoint liberal judges. Mm. Uh, And you didn't actually hear President Bush saying that he wanted to appoint conservative judges. He said he wanted judges who strictly construct the Constitution. He wanted them to to read the Constitution in a limited manner. That is a mode of interpretation. It is not an ideology. What Trump wants is basically Republican judges. He has more or less said so. He wants judges who support the Republican Party and the GOP platform circa 2018. Um, And so it is surprising, sadly, that a Trump judge would rule against Trump um, because it suggests that Trump and his advisors made a mistake in appointing him, uh, suggests that they did not realize this judge uh, was, you know, insufficiently loyal to the president. Mm. It's very clear that the president demands loyalty of his appointees. That is clearly very true of judges as well. So we should not be surprised that a judge would rule against uh, the guy who appointed him. But here we are in 2018. And it makes headlines across the web, um, because of course, we think these judges basically uh, swore a loyalty pledge to the president
1: yeah and though let me uh, let me add this uh, caveat: Judge Timothy Kelly, in this case uh, he ruled. Uh, It should be noted on Fifth Amendment uh, grounds due process. In other words, uh, saying, well, the White House didn't give Jim Acosta and CNN, you know, they didn't they weren't clear about what the rules are. They didn't give him a chance to respond before they just took away his credentials. He ruled on the Fifth Amendment uh, in this case, for now, not on what would seem to be the more obvious First Amendment, freedom of the press grounds, uh, and uh, he seemed to suggest that the First Amendment issues were were the murkier ones in this case. Is he getting too much credit at this point because it's really it's just temporary for now that Acosta gets his uh, credentials back. This case is theoretically going to head to a trial of some sort. And to me, it seems a blatant violation of the first amendment, yet Judge Kelly didn't see it that way.
0: So I I think I will stand up for Judge Kelly a bit here. Uh, I think that what Judge Kelly wanted to do was issue the narrowest possible ruling under an extremely compressed timeline. Uh, He basically had a day to figure out what to do here. Uh, The First Amendment issues here, I agree that there is a strong First Amendment claim that Acosta faced uh, retaliation uh, in violation of of free expression, right? But Mm -hmm. I do think that the due process claim is just so incredibly clear and obvious uh, that it made sense for Kelly to say, you know what, I'm just going to go for this blatant uh, lights uh... flickering uh, obvious uh holding before mm-hmm. i delve into the somewhat more complex and doctrinally thorny uh, first amendment issues we can debate a lot about the uh, the extent of the first amendment's protections for a journalist wh- whom the white house dislikes because of his speech uh but what we can't really debate or what i don't think reasonable people can disagree on uh is that the the white house can't simply revoke his pass with literally Literally, no semblance of process. So if I had one day to decide whether or not to issue a temporary restraining order restoring this pass, I think I probably would have gone with due process grounds, too. Hmm. It's not as if Judge Kelly... Said that there was no First Amendment issue involved. To the contrary, he actually noted in his bench statement that clearly Acosta had some kind of First Amendment liberty interest in the press pass. Uh, he just declined to issue a full throated uh, freedom of speech, freedom of the press decision uh, at this very early stage. And I think prudence uh, counsels that narrow holding. So I-, I think he did the right thing.
1: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope you're right about that, Mark. Uh, I have uh, some concerns that uh, you know that uh, Kelly here may have, you know, sort of sided only temporarily with CNN here to get those headlines, you know, of of independence. Oh, so look how he's turned against the White House, only to show his true colors. Uh, later, when this case is fully heard, but I hope you're right and my concerns are are overblown there. But in a related note, you wrote recently about Brett Kavanaugh, uh, Justice now Justice Brett Kavanaugh, in his first votes on the uh, on the Supreme Court following his. Very controversial confirmation battle, noting that Kavanaugh did not jump in or has not yet at least jumped in immediately with the court's right wing, suggesting that he may be laying low for a while first here to sort of let the smoke from his confirmation battle uh, blow over, that his recent votes should not, however, be taken as a sign that he is somehow less less extremist than uh, many of us believe him to be. Did I understand your argument correctly? Is he just lying low at this point, or is something else going on with, uh, with Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court?
0: You know, it's, uh, it's obviously too soon to tell, but since we did just talk about John Roberts, I, I think the open question is, will he be more of a Roberts, or will he be more of a Gorsuch? Uh, and his votes so far signal that he will be more of a Roberts, I do not think he will be a raging liberal or a centrist or even really a moderate because Roberts is is hardly moderate, right? Mm-hmm. He's just not corrupt.
2: Right. Um, a,
0: a, a, or, or a nihilist. Right. And I think I think that what Kavanaugh's doing here is trying to find middle ground and compromises with Roberts and the liberal justices. Uh, the nihilist wing of the court is Gorsuch, Alito, and Thomas. They are happy to tear down precedent and pretty much openly favor their guys, the Republican Party. Uh, and so in these cases involving uh, most importantly, the citizenship question that the Trump administration wants to add to the 2020 census mm. to essentially sabotage the census, uh, you see Alito, Gorsuch, uh, and Thomas saying the government gets to do whatever it wants, it gets to shield high-level officials from deposition, the government should should not have to go to trial to defend this question, uh, but you see Roberts and Kavanaugh joining with the liberals a little bit more to say, all let right, right, let's, let's hold on here. Let's take this one step at a time. We're not going to block every deposition. We're not going to halt the trial altogether. That doesn't mean that they will eventually rule the correct way here, right? Uh, but it does suggest that they are not eager to reach out uh, and, and just help the GOP as much as possible. They aren't eager to short-circuit the judicial process to help favor their guys. And that is a, a somewhat encouraging sign at this early date. I may end up eating my words. Kavanaugh yeah. could be an absolute hack um but those are the reasons for optimism right now.
1: I and I and I hear you and I take your optimism and I hope you are way more right than I am. I think uh Kavanaugh is going to reveal himself to be that nihilist you talked about if only, you know, in the big cases hold his fire for now and when it really matters uh I think he will vote with that far right wing but You know, we will see. And I I hope you're more right than I am. As usual, there are a number of cases challenging the appointment of Trump loyalist and lackey Matt Whitaker as acting attorney general. Many of those challenges cite Whitaker's previously stated opposition to special counsel Robert Mueller's probe back when uh, Whitaker was little more than a Fox News talking head. But there are uh, a lot of legal issues related here um, to to both calls for his recusal on the special counsel matter and a bigger picture, just the legality of his appointment as acting attorney general at all. Are the legal challenges against Whitaker's appointment? Are they well supported? And if they are, do we run into the same concerns about a now Trump Loyalist Supreme Court Throwing everything out On behalf of the President When these cases Inevitably uh, Make their way there
0: These are very, very strong uh, for the simple reason that, again, the Constitution means what it says. Uh, The Constitution says that a principal officer, which includes without question uh, a cabinet secretary, a cabinet official, uh, has to receive the advice and consent of the Senate. There is no waffling here. There are no exceptions. The constitution says you need senate confirmation to serve as a principal officer the attorney general everyone agrees is a principal officer the only question here is whether an individual who is serving as acting attorney general is somehow magically not a principal officer because the word acting (laughs) appears before the rest of his formal title the answer to that question must be no the attorney general uh Uh, The acting attorney general, Matthew Whitaker, uh, performs every single function that a normal attorney general would. He has no supervision but for the president. He directs the entire Department of Justice. He is clearly a principal officer. He clearly must receive the advice and consent of the senate before filling this role and performing these duties he has not received it for this for this role he did years ago but that has lapsed so i think the the obvious answer here is that he is not legally the acting attorney general. The lawful acting attorney general is Rod Rosenstein, and I actually think that the Supreme Court will confirm that view.
1: And uh, But they have to confirm it quickly. I mean, uh, Whitaker c- can not only fire Mueller tomorrow if he wants, in theory, uh, but he's also making all sorts of other decisions on behalf of the United States Department of Justice presumably every day. I mean, how soon will there be a ruling from the Supreme Court? It seems like we can't really wait another day for such a ruling at this point can we
0: so we can wait a few more days uh the first lawsuit was filed in district court in maryland last week uh there will be oral arguments in uh december on december 12th the judge uh who is a very smart good sort of down-the-middle judge uh should rule within several days at most weeks uh, and so we're hoping for a decision on this matter before the end of the year. I fully expect the Fourth Circuit uh, to uh, agree with what I hope the district court judge rules, uh, which is that Matthew Whitaker's appointment is illegal. Then it will go up to the Supreme Court, and that's, of course, you know, where all the fun happens. <laughs> uh, I, but here's the deal. Uh, the, the most prescient individual on this matter is Clarence Thomas. Just last year, Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion that might as well have been about Matthew Whitaker, that laid out precisely why the appointment of an acting principal officer is illegal, uh, no questions, without the uh, advice and consent of the Senate. Uh, I do not think Thomas will retreat from that view. Uh, I think that part of his nihilism is a steadfast devotion to a few uh, overarching principles, most of which benefit the Republican Party, but a few of which can sometimes be used to help Democrats. And I think that will be the case here. Uh, I think the liberal justices will join him. Most court watchers tend to agree. So uh, I do think that there is a real possibility that by early 2019, uh, Matthew Whitaker will be forced out as acting uh, attorney general. Y-
1: yeah, but what happens before that? What if he <laughs> fires the special counsel? What if just any uh, day-to-day decision that he's making on behalf of the Attorney General's office, are those legal? Do those stand? Or are we, you know, pretty much heading towards a constitutional crisis at this point?
0: So I think, and I'm not totally certain, I think that uh, the courts will generally give a pass to any any decisions that Whitaker makes in his time in office, even if he is later forced out. I think that what will probably happen if he is, uh, is that his successor, who's likely to be Rod Rosenstein, currently the Deputy Attorney General, Mm -hmm. will bless all of the formal decisions that Whitaker made uh, in things like pending court cases, right? Mm -hmm. With regard to the Mueller investigation, I mean, that is just uh, an absolute unknown. We do not know what Whitaker is going to do. He was certainly a to shut it down, but he has not done so yet. We do not know how much control he's asserted over it. So it's all very much just an open question. Uh, we may need good old uh, protests in the streets uh, mm. if Whitaker tries to push Mueller away, prevent him from issuing subpoenas and all that. Uh, right now, it's still a black box. We just don't know the answer.
1: I had uh, hoped, uh, thanks to, as I sort of described, some of these topics as stupid, and, and they're stupid because they're just unnecessary. I mean, in a normal world, in a normal country with a normal presidency, Mark, we wouldn't have much to talk about, at least <laughs> no, no, not all of these things, but not stupid and therefore not enough time to get into, unfortunately. Uh, but I want to get your quick thoughts. You wrote after the day after the election that the results of that November 6 midterm were a, quote, body blow to partisan gerrymandering. Well, too quickly. How so?
0: <laughs> well, the the main uh, benefit here is that Four different states passed ballot initiatives that rein in partisan gerrymandering and implement independent uh, or bipartisan redistricting commissions, uh, including the state of Michigan, which enacted the most sweeping and far-reaching reforms to gerrymandering, and which happens to be arguably the most gerrymandered state today, either Michigan or Wisconsin, which means uh, that, in fact, uh, Michigan might be getting fair districts in the Near future. Uh, there was also a piece of good news out of North Carolina, uh, another contender for the most gerrymandered yep, state, actually. Yep. Uh, voters elected a very liberal civil rights activist uh, and attorney to their state Supreme Court, uh, and several days later, uh, voting rights advocates filed suit under the state constitution, uh, alleging that partisan gerrymanders are illegal. I fully expect the North Carolina Supreme Court to agree uh, and to uh, basically strike down the current gerrymander and demand a new one in advance of the 2020 elections. So we are going to see fairer districts in the future. It is going to happen. We are not going to see reform on the federal level. I've written off the Supreme Court altogether, the U.S. Supreme Court, um, but I do think there is real action in the states, and another reason to be optimistic, because the grassroots are fighting this issue. They are fighting these gerrymanders, and on the whole, they are winning more than they are losing.
1: And that is good news, yeah, and in uh, even in Republican states like Utah and Missouri and so forth. Uh, I'll point folks over to your article on this uh... If only for the uh, spectacular failure by Republicans in North Carolina to try to rig the uh, state Supreme Court there that has blown back against them, giving the Democrats now a 5-2 to two advantage on that state Supreme Court. That uh, comes not a moment too soon, I think. I'll point folks to that and all of your other great work at Slate.com. I should also note, Mark, that you were recently married. I want to wish you great congratulations on that uh, hope that uh, means you'll have a very happy uh, uh set of holidays coming up here and if people want to send you their own congrats they can do so via the twitters at mjs underscore dc mark joseph stern it is always a delight to talk to you on the broadcast uh
0: thank you so much i very much appreciate your good wishes and i will talk to you very soon
1: i hope you will all right thank you brother bye-bye All right, let's take a quick break. And Desi Doyen, you are on deck with the uh, latest Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Welcome back to the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com Running late with all we've jammed into this show Uh, You certainly get your money's worth, I hope But let's get right to it. Our latest Green News report.
2: Crews are scouring this scorched landscape to recover DNA and identify the dead before the rain moves in. A turn in the weather is both good news and bad for California's wildfires. Trump administration uses California's tragedy to push logging in forests. Plus... Network TV news mostly fails to connect the dots between historic fires and climate change.
1: All of those mostly failures and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman.
2: And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand
1: by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment you know it's not time for finger pointing very diplomatic of you interior secretary ryan zinke and i will lay this on the foot of those environmental radicals this is on them well done sir this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyan. It is going to be a very, very grim Thanksgiving for thousands of uh, Californians this year. I'm afraid.
2: Indeed, it is. But firefighters are finally making some headway in the historic wildfires in California. In Northern California, the death toll continues to grow from the Camp Fire, the deadliest wildfire in state history, with at least 79 dead as of airtime. More than 900 are still listed as missing. But officials do remain hopeful that. that That number will drop as evacuees check in with government agencies. Rain is forecast for the next several days. That will help quash the fires, but it will also bring the threat of mudslides and debris flows in burn areas. And it will also make the search to identify remains in the rubble much more difficult. The rain will also help clear out some of the smoke from the fires, which has forced the closure of schools in the San Francisco Bay Area. Even the city's famous cable cars were shut down. Public health experts warn that exposure to the smoke can cause long-term damage to the lungs of millions of people in the region, particularly children. The fires in both parts of the state have displaced thousands of evacuees, exacerbating the state's already acute affordable housing crisis. FEMA Director Brock Long Long said the federal, state, and local governments are working together to find long-term housing for those made homeless and jobless by the devastating fires who are now living in temporary shelters and even makeshift tent camps, a growing public health concern as winter cold and rains arrive. Long warned it will take years for these areas to recover.
0: There's not much to start with when it comes to the infrastructure, so the infrastructure is basically a total rebuild at this point.
1: That sounds a lot like what Brock Long said uh, in Puerto Rico, not very long ago, as I recall.
2: Exactly. Environmental journalist Brian Kahn of Earther.com notes that the evacuee situation is similar to those of refugees from climate disasters in developing countries, and warned how California's story plays out will tell us a lot about how well prepared we are to deal with future extreme weather disasters. Mm. President Trump toured sites in California devastated by the fires over the weekend and again blamed California's forest management for the fires with a new bizarre reference to finland
0: they spent a lot of time on raking and cleaning and doing things and they don't have any problem
2: the president of finland told the new york times his country is colder and wetter than california and they use well-funded comprehensive forest management and raking is simply not true On MSNBC, Democratic Congressman Ted Lieu of Southern California debunked Trump's false claims. If preventing
1: wildfires were as easy as raking leaves, uh, we would have done that by now.
2: Trump Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke went even further in an interview with right-wing Breitbart News. It's not time for finger-pointing. I will lay this on the foot of those
1: environmental radicals that have prevented us from managing the forest for years.
2: And you know what? This is on them.
1: Well, thanks for not finger-pointing, Mr. Zinke.
2: Both state fire officials and scientists say Zinke and Trump are wrong. Hmm. Global warming is a major factor, causing hotter temperatures, dried-out vegetation, and year-round fire seasons... Forestry experts say that forest management is complex and requires adequate funding, which Trump has cut. Logging can actually make forests more susceptible to fast-moving wildfires. Other contributing factors include development in wildland areas and lack of updated building codes.
1: And which of Trump's executive departments is it that manages the U.S. Forest Service?
2: The Interior Department.
1: Under Secretary Ryan Zinke. Correct. Got it.
2: Finally, in what is now a familiar refrain, A new Media Matters analysis finds that the national broadcast TV news networks ABC, CBS, and NBC pretty much ignored the contribution of global warming in their coverage of the California fires, mentioning it only in about 4% of their coverage. However, a bright spot, local TV news stations did bring up climate change numerous times during their wildfire reporting.
1: Good on the local stations, same as it ever was from the networks. For much more on all of these reports and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planetwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And
2: I'm Desi Doyen. And
1: this has been your Green News Report.
2: Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Same as it
1: ever was. Same as it ever yep. was. Same as it ever was. We're running late, so i got to get out. Desi <laughs> yes. Doyen, thank you very much. Desi Doyen, our producer. My thanks to our guest today, Mark Joseph Stern of Slate, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I hope you will find and follow and share what we do here on the Bradcast on the social media. You can find me at the Brad blog on both Facebook and Twitter and my thanks to those of you who stop by bradblog.com/donate. Yes, Black Friday is upon us. Don't forget about Independent Media Monday. I just made that up. But yes, we need your support to stay on your public airwaves bradblog.com slash donate before year's end is greatly appreciated. That is it for now. Angie Coiro is in for us tomorrow. We will see you on the other side of the holidays. From Desi and I, I hope that you all have a very happy, healthy, and safe Thanksgiving. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.